0: Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn?
1: Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego-Kyle and Johan Clausen from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Today we're talking about ESG and I'm here, we're focusing on the S. Hello, Kim. Hello, Johan. How are
2: you? I'm great. I'm hanging in there, I think. <laughs> All
1: right. I know you guys are busy. I Rumor has it, business is expanding, which is really, really good. That means more frontline workers, as I would say for you guys, frontline workers on the ESG front. Is that about right?
3: Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. And we are busy, which is great. I'm I'm happy to be busy. Not like we can take a vacation this summer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we can sneak something in there a three day weekend, maybe, right? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. My
3: vacation's in my garden. Yes <laughs> most hey, evenings.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have to go. just interrupt the podcast right here. Did you get it yet?
3: The donkey. The yes. miniature donkey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not yet. Okay. Um we okay. we we have the um, the fencing up, but we have to build a house yes. for the donkey first. A little shelter, of I'm course. not gonna I'm not gonna get it until I've got everything set up and ready to go.
2: Perfect.
1: Okay, well back to our regular scheduled <laughs> podcast.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> there's a there's a, a, a miniature donkey farm that was on the highway just like uh, Quarter mile down from our old house in Palmer Lake.
3: You're going to laugh, but I have already spoken to them. Oh, you've already talked to them. Already. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we Shout out to drive by farm. and go.
2: Oh, look! There's the burritos. <laughs> they're little miniature burri- burrow. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're not
1: making burritos out of donkeys. Please don't write in no, and complain no, no, about no, no, that. No, no, that's no. not what we're talking about.
3: Burrow
1: eaters. eaters. That's our right. burrow eaters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway. back to the ESG. Anyway.
3: With the focus let's, on the S.
1: Why are we focusing talk- on the S today?
3: Well, there's so much going on in this world currently about social justice. And mm-hmm. a lot of uh, advisors are talking about the S, the, the social issues. And so we wanted to discuss social justice, which I, I have been talking about recently, and how that really relates to investing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And As it were, uh, although it's been a decade, it's still very relevant. Johan wrote an article that was published in a book.
2: Yeah, the title of the book is Responsible Investing in Troubled Times. Hmm. So, you know, 10 years ago, it was just after the disastrous market stuff from 2008 and 2009. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking in this volume, the various articles were about how we can rearrange capital to try and prevent that, that kind of disaster again. But my article in particular there was talking about how really when we get down to it, if we try and separate out the environmental sustainability questions and questions of social justice, we're going to end up not being able to serve either of them well because Hmm. they're so tightly entwined and especially if we look at a really a long term time horizon then the longer the, the longer period we look at the more likely it is that environmental issues and and social justice issues are going to be wrapped together so tightly that we really shouldn't try <laughs> to to remove them from one another
3: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and Johan and I were chatting earlier about the ESG and if a listener's not familiar with that term ESG it's environmental social governance and a number of mutual funds and managers focus on ESG issues when they're screening or in investing their their funds and the idea behind that is to look at the three of those components so what we're seeing often is we, we have an issue that comes up and people become very passionate around that, whether it's carbon and and the focus on fossil fuel divestment, or currently we're seeing the social issues around Black Lives Matter and people focus substantially on that issue, or a few years ago and I'm not sure, well I guess I'm sure, I, I understand why it's not being focused on right now because The social justice issues are so front and center. But last election cycle, it was money in politics or governance and getting money out of politics. So people hyper-focus on a particular letter, whether it's the E, the S, or Mm -hmm. the G. And what I see happens is, it tends to be cyclical, is there's that hyper-focus and the other two letters tend to get pushed into the background.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
3: and Johan and I were on agreement on this. I think is that those three things tend need to come together, and they need to be focused on jointly.
2: Yeah, if we try to separate them out, we end up just doing a disservice to the to the two that we're not focused on. So a few years ago, you know, we were tremendously focused on. And we have been for a long time, but. The focus was on carbon energy and carbon divestment. And there was, yeah, we were concerned about methane pollution and and what was happening and how much methane was being released and how much of it was being burned off. And, And there was a mention here and there of the impacts to the people downwind. But it was almost always thinking about the global climate change issues. And so... The people who live downwind or downstream from the natural gas uh, wells, or from the oil wells, or from the tar sands, or whatever—coal, uh, coal, coal mines—those um, folks, their particular health and safety issues were ignored for a time. For for a time being, while while all the focus was instead on the global climate climate issues, right? Mm-hmm. And not that those aren't very important, but. We've, we sort of forgot about that for a little while. And then those issues started coming back up a little bit more. And we have, start, we have since started to focus a little more on the concept of environmental racism. As we're starting to think right now about all sorts of racism, uh, some of the leaders of the environmental movement have been able to say, hey, let's not forget about environmentalism while we're talking about racism because there's this thing called environmental racism. And if, you, if we look at the location of polluting power plants or mines or oil wells or whatever, we often find that those things are located very close to already improv- impoverished communities, communities of color uh, in particular. And so the, the environmental devastation and the severe problems of social justice often travel together. Can I so can if, I ask well, you
1: a question there Johan? Sure. So my curiosity is the chicken and the egg, right? Mm. What yeah. happens is it do you think it is or maybe you have the statistics on this? Is it something where these neighborhoods, the impoverished neighborhoods are there and therefore the land is cheaper so large companies move in that are going to be causing that pollution or do you think it's the flip side of the coin where The large corporation is there. There are possible pollution issues plus sound, noise, whatever. And so the surrounding land is cheaper and therefore the people that can afford it, the impoverished people, are buying property there because that's what they can afford.
2: It's it's both, yeah. It's both chicken and egg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, in some cases, the industry comes first and then they need workers and so they bring in, they make it easy for for impoverished communities, for the workers to to live nearby, and because of the environmental degradation, because of the pollution and so on, that land becomes less desirable, and so it becomes easier for uh, to build low income housing there. Mm-hmm. A great example is, for example, in the right now, there's tremendous social trouble at the so called man camps in Alberta at the. Uh, tar sands tar sands yeah thank you <laughs> tar sands i don't know whether you should call them mines or uh wells or or what i think they're most people are calling them mines right the tar sands mines, uh, because they dig up this stuff and they process it and then it, it processes into something like oil but so those folks you know those companies come in they start digging up this gunk uh out of the out of the ground and they need people to do the work and so they build or, or set aside space very nearby for trailers. And they, they end up putting altogether too many men in each trailer uh, to come and do the work. And then, so those guys are living there for very cheap, but there's a lot of social problems that go along with man camps too. Hmm. So there's, that's one of the, the big sources of the missing and murdered indigenous women. Well, A lot of those, uh, that, that's one of those problems that follows man camps across Canada um, and the United States, too. So.
3: Yeah, so that's the, the social justice, environmental justice issues. It's just some of them that, that come up when we think about environmental component, social justice component that that have to go together. Yeah and we can't forget that.
2: Yeah, and we can't we can't try and treat one without treating the whole batch of them together. Yeah. So that that's kind of why I was thinking about, you know, that this is kind of a, a we have to take a holistic approach, right? We can't we can't peel apart the pieces and say if only we could solve this environmental issue, then we could solve the whole thing. If only we could solve this financial issue, then we could solve the whole thing. No, we have to we have to deal with the social justice stuff at the same time that we're working on the environmental issues, and we have to work with the corporations to say, hey, this is a governance issue for you, that these are problems that your corporation is involved with or causing, that you have to revise the way you think about the way you're doing this work if you're going to have any chance of, of dealing with these kinds of problems at all. You have to deal with them all at the same time.
3: Yeah. One of the things that it reminds me of is when we look at investing in the big picture and we talk about social investing, sustainability investing, we we as a company talk about screening, positive and negative screening, mm-hmm. shareholder advocacy, community investing, and impact. And as we were talking earlier today, you and I chatting about how we would discuss this podcast today, there's often the process of, we have to focus on shareholder advocacy. It's the most important piece. Well, I love shareholder advocacy. It's, it's a passion of mine, but we can't forget the screening piece. We can't forget supporting community investment and we cannot forget the impact. Yeah. But as often happens with the ESG People focus on hyper focus again on one component. Many years ago, there was the one percent for community investment, and that's all anybody talked about. Right. Um, and then there's the, I think you mentioned the um, oh, there's this great you know, uh, solar investment, and everybody just wants to do high impact investment stuff, and we saw that recently. Yeah, we've noticed. seen
2: some of that recently where yeah. where people get super excited about some of the really sexy deals that are only available through private investments or only really available to super high net worth people. And we get people coming in and saying, well, I have this $50,000 IRA that I want to invest in this super high, super high risk, super sexy thing. Yeah. We have to tell them. We can't yeah. that they don't qualify for it because these kinds of things are are limited for what might be good reasons. So they might not be good reasons, but I mean they're, they're right. probably good reasons right. that that we have these restrictions on who can invest in some of these kinds of things. So we have to tell people that they can't do that right now, and that's really hard. Right, um, but
3: there are other ways to do high impact investment yeah. for even the smaller investor. Right, um, but we we have to be cautious about the hyper focus on one area mm-hmm. uh, because you can do a little bit of all of those four things. And, you know, we used to talk about social investing being a three legged stool, uh, which is interesting because three legged stools aren't all that steady.
2: Well, they're steadier than the four legged stools actually, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, uh, they tend to be small yes yeah so i think you know when we when we look at these four approaches that we have it is really easy to to say okay let's get i'm super focused on environmental issues and i want to do the super high impact private equity stuff and so i'm going to focus all of my time and attention and consequently also money on these on this particular issue and this particular style of investing to the loss of the rest and you know, to the exclusion of, of anything else. And, you know, I, I understand the passion. Um, I I adore that passion, but trying to figure out how to corral some of that and be able to to diversify mm-hmm. approaches, not just in different asset classes, but in different parts of the SRI world and different parts of of the universe.
3: Well, um, yes, and one <laughs> of the things about the high impact or the higher, what we would consider community investment higher impact work is the way we can focus on the social justice issues. Right, right. And much of it does lean toward the accredited investor or the high net worth investor. But there are ways we can work with our smaller clients. Sure. And you know, there's focus on the um, indigenous peoples, other people of color, you know, I, there's the um, C-Note, which most of it is high, uh, high net worth, but they, they did have a um, fund that came out working with black-owned businesses mm-hmm. during the, well, when, when COVID started and businesses were shutting down. So it was focused on keeping those businesses open specifically, which is great. Mm-hmm. So there's wonderful things happening in those areas. So most high impact has a lot to do with low income support people of color those M-
2: most t- of the community investment the high impact community investment yeah. stuff yeah yeah the, the private um, the private equity and, and private debt stuff that tends to be you know those are sm- well I don't want to say small businesses they're bigger mm-hmm. than that yeah but they are the kinds of Exciting and sexy opportunities that people understand as this is a high-impact thing, but I, I agree that community investment um, Opportunities are among the highest impact uh, Investments that we can make yes, you know, but when we think about screening criteria uh, and and using our screening to to keep bad guys so-called bad guys out of our portfolio (laughs) and include all the good guys instead you know to focus our energies on that that you know only does so much some of those bad guys really don't care whether they're in our client portfolios or not there's plenty of other people out there who will buy a tobacco stock where they're not in our portfolios or an oil company or whatever shareholder advocacy is was where in the public market, in the public stock markets, that's where we can make some difference, right? We can actually change the behavior of individual corporations by owning some of their shares where we might not want to, uh, but owning those shares and then using those, using the power of, sh- of our shareholder uh, rights to be able to change their behavior. But community investment is really, I mean, it's it's huge. It can be Uh, environmentally sustainable focused, but a lot of times, I think you're right, it is more social justice focused. It helps us, it gives us a way to provide direct impact in the individual lives of of actual human beings.
3: Yeah, and I think for a long time, when we looked specifically at mutual funds, Mm -hmm. the S was often left out. Right it was very seldom screened for. But that is becoming a lot more common. Yeah,
2: I, I think that um, in the last couple of years, um, some of the mutual funds and some of the other portfolio managers have, it's, it, they really have only just begun figuring out ways to include uh, social justice issues in their screening criteria. Some of our good friends Rachel Robiscotti for she's doing some wonderful work yes. uh, through her firm Robiscotti & Philipson yes. um, on building um, social justice issues into the way they manage portfolios. And we're talking with, with Rachel and we're talking with a handful of other people too about right. how we can do even more with this with our clients. I'm I'm glad to see that this is uh, getting more attention because it has been ignored or, or under- uh, Underutilized? No, that's not the right word. <laughs> um, <laughs> there hasn't been enough attention yes. uh, spent on the social um, criteria, social issues.
3: Right, because I think that's often something that brings people to sustainable investing is mm-hmm. the social justice issues, because that's where their passion tends to lie. Uh, also, the environment, but. And that's been easy to screen for, mm-hmm. but the social justice piece has uh, lagged behind, and now it's such a f- forefront of mind component of people's thoughts that they're they want to make sure that's included in their portfolio. So it's you know it's just a mm-hmm. a, a have to be a have to do. A, you know we must look at those issues, and it's not just about screening out private prisons which is incredibly important, but we have to look beyond that.
2: Right. Yeah, we, do, we need to be able to look at some of the, the suppliers and some of the, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways that we can treat those kinds of issues.
3: Well, one of the things, Johan, that we were just discussing as well is that we are going to work on your, take your, the principles of your article and um, update that and Create a new white paper that we will. Yeah, we should share. be on the
2: lookout for that. We should be able to to uh, update this article and and revise. I think the argument is still sound, but we've got some even better examples that we can work with and some you know new uh, shareholder advocacy um, successes that we can share as part of this too. Yeah. But so we we'll, we will post that um, when we get that completed. We can post that to the. To our blog and to the maybe as a link to this yeah. podcast too. Yes,
3: I think that would be great. And um, yeah, I just uh, we just wanted to share with folks how we felt about the S and how important we think it is, and the combination of the E and the S and of course the G because they all have to go together. Mm-hmm. So anything else you want to share around that?
2: No. I think we're good.
3: Yeah, yeah. So Erica. Any questions from you?
2: Well,
1: here's one thing. Wow, these are big things to tackle, right?
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) And I mean, I know that you guys have been living this life for a very long time. But my question is, are there some really good groups out there that are looking for and maybe suggesting solutions? So taking the one example from earlier in the conversation, uh, the man camps, which I had never heard of before. And I never heard of what the problems were. How do you solve an issue like that when... You need to bring workers in because that's been done for decades. I mean, well, probably a century at least because of, yeah, they have small locations, huts that I would call them migrant workers at that point because they're migrating to the location and staying in very small camps. I mean, railroads, right? Let's let's go back to the railroads. Right. All the way back to the railroads, yeah. So how do you solve that issue when you need to bring workers in and there's not affordable housing in the area and... I mean, is there somebody working on this problem that, and, and are there corporations that are willing to listen?
2: Well, those are very good questions and I'm not entirely certain what the answer is right now. I do know that it is, you know, it's certainly possible to uh, upgrade the conditions in those, let's call them migrant worker camps. <laughs> and to, uh, to bring things, to bring the conditions in those camps up to a, uh, up to a level that they are livable really. And that, you know, uh, when we can do that, when we can provide those kinds of, you know, better living conditions for those workers, we also decrease the, the, the crime that comes along with those. We increase their health and safety mm-hmm. uh, issues. Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible to address those issues, but it needs to be the corporations that bring those workers in and provide them with housing and, and provide them with a lot of the other uh, necessities of life need to be able to spend a little more I think to to make those conditions livable um, and to make and to make the health and the health and safety issues easier to handle yeah I, I as a coach I don't know if that really
1: yeah well and it, really it does that resonates and that that's that's a piece of it for sure as a coach I look at it as a corporation right I mean the, I'm, I'm talking about the workers and you would think that the the actual corporation would be able to put something in place for accountability. Meaning a structure that number one, you know, increase the living conditions, make things better so it's healthier. You can lower the crime rate by putting in a structure of not necessarily managers, but almost like RAs in college, right? You've got somebody who's <laughs> who's who's monitoring and making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and not doing what they shouldn't be doing. And I don't know I think Go ahead.
3: I, I think you'd have to legislate that. Yeah. Like you do with meat pecking plants where there's a legislative process to making sure that it is safe. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way you would do it because when you look at this worldwide and we're, you know, we're talking about a, a first world country
2: mm-hmm.
3: issue. This is yes. Canada, United, Canada and the United, United States, States yeah. right? These conditions are even worse in third world countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're horrible right. where they don't even have working toilets right. and good sanitation. So, It gets even worse when you go down to a lower level. Yeah. Yeah, And
2: I agree 100%. If we look at. Yeah. Yeah. If we look at the uh, gems or or gold um, uh, mines in, um, especially like in in Central and Southern Africa Mm -hmm. or in South America, some parts of South America, we have the same kinds of problems, but exacerbated by that much more poverty Mm -hmm. and that much more distress and that much more social injustice right mm-hmm. um,
3: and and you can't just legislate that on the country level because we are talking about south america and yeah. um, africa we'd have to legislate it within the country where the products are sold
2: well there's also uh, one way to handle that is with international uh, trade, trade agreements yes yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some of the international trade agreements that were in process or underway or or being worked on five years ago or 10 years ago, kind of got derailed as we went along over the last few years. So in favor of bilateral negotiations Hmm. instead, which in which situations it's much harder to set up the kind of international, if we're doing one-on-one kinds of deals with uh, other countries, it's much harder to get our arms around the whole problem in a region um, on a continent that has a lot of different countries in it, mm-hmm. so Got treating it. this again, this is another one of those cases where treating one particular problem just creates others. You know, <laughs> like putting up wallpaper, right? You know, you pop down one bubble, and other bubbles pop up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to get at all of them at once uh, and and solve the whole problem and smooth the whole the whole wall.
1: All right. Well, here's hoping, right? Right. All right, guys. Any last closing thoughts for today's podcast?
3: Well, I just want to say that I love what I do. And even when we talk about these difficult pieces and sometimes they're hard to think about, I feel encouraged by the process of what we are doing and knowing that we can make a difference down the road. It's hard sometimes, but there is positivity at the end, and mm-hmm. that is why I can do what I do on a daily basis, yeah. knowing that there is change happening, and there is movement, and things will change, and they do change, yeah. so.
2: And I want to reinforce that you know I, I love the passion that our clients come to us with, and they come sometimes saying, my central issue is, I don't know, to pick an example, water. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, every piece of my portfolio, I want to be productive on clean water. And then being able to say, okay, look, here's a part of your portfolio where we're being productive on clean water. And look, it's its having this positive impact on this social justice issue. It's causing this corporation to change the way it does business and improve its governance it's having this impact on pri- these private equity companies over here that are supplying the things that this other corporation needs mm-hmm. so by saying yeah we can work with you on this issue and it's it's the yes and yeah uh, right approach to to investment management it's a wonderful thing to be able to do
3: it is and very soon we're going to be able to give our clients some really uh, fun reports about their impact in their portfolios, yeah. which they're going to love. Yeah, nice. we're
2: building some new uh, some new capabilities as part of our uh, the changes that are underway in our business. So. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's fantastic. Well, I want okay. to thank both of you for continuing to fight the good fight. I mean, this is what it's all about, and I know that our listeners are you know, they're learning something new every time, just like I am. Right. Every time I get on with you guys, it's, it's something new that I haven't heard before. And it's sometimes it's a little depressing, right? It's a little bit, it can be. I didn't know yeah. about that, but there's that hope at the end of the tunnel of look, th- there are some issues, but, and here's a new issue that we're going to talk about, but we also have new friends that are helping us to fight this good fight. And exactly. uh, a- again, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate both of you.
3: Thank Thank you, you, Eric. And I appreciate doing this with you.
1: You bet. And of course, we reserve the last thank you for the audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego, Kyle, and Johan Clausen. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim and Johan come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this is a great one to share because it's going to spark some conversation. Don't we all need that a little bit more right now? Just some more conversations with family and friends? That'd be great. Anyway, (laughs) thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services. Or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.